I am Danika. And I am Myra. And this is the Black Women Healing Podcast. A space to discuss mental wellness. A space to dive into soul care and vulnerability. Here, we will support you on your journey as you focus on your healing. While also giving you the work along the way. Welcome to Black Women Healing Podcast. Hey, y'all. I am here to announce that our book, Let's Heal, a workbook designed for Black women with various modalities by your co-host, Danika and Myra, is now at a storefront. And so the storefront is Urbana Goods. It's a community store that brings an upgraded experience of connecting with the community uh, with small crafting gatherings and workshops and supporting other local businesses by housing and selling their merchandise, such as us. And they even sell some of your typical items from the local convenience store. Like y'all, I literally bought some body butter, hair products, and a cute purse all from this store, just to give you a little example. So when you have some time, check out Urbana Goods. It's located in Guardina, California. The actual address is 1756 West El Segundo, Guardina, California, 90249. You can put it in your GPS, whatever you need to do, but go ahead and make your way there and check us out. Hey y'all, we're back with another episode of Black Women Healing Podcast. And before we get started, we do want to share a trigger warning as we will be having a difficult conversation about suicide awareness. All right. So making sure that y'all understand trigger warning before you deep dive into this episode. All right. So we have been doing something a little bit different. And I feel like we're going to say that every episode because we have not adjusted to it. But we've been sharing about a quote and we've been dissecting the quote. So... My best friend loves Shonda Rhimes. So in honor of my best friend, Terry, her quote is, if I don't poke my head out of my shell and show people who I am, all anyone will ever think I am is my shell. Don't even think of that quote. Ooh. Yeah, that, that's that's a little deep. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I just see a turtle in a shell. <laughs> I just see a turtle, like closed in in the shell and the head never coming out you like is this is this turtle is this really is this something in there or not right like where's the substance and so it's kind of like like everybody has you know a substance to them right wherever whatever it looks like and I think that this is for those folks who don't allow that whatever substance to come out whether it's different from people whether it's not seen as like the uh the norm or whatever it's like that's getting out of the shell, whatever that looks like. So that's what I'm thinking of. What about you? Me, Myra, or me, I don't want to say her name no more. (laughs) Say my name. Say my name. Candia. Candia. (laughs) What you thinking? Oh, you know what? It's for me, it's like, I think about the shell and what it represents is like protection right Mm -hmm. and then so what I'm like is like people are protecting what's most important to them Mm -hmm. and they're afraid that the world might have an idea about it right and without but but you can't ever get to know anybody or know anybody really unless you come out right Mm -hmm. because all they see is that show you're protecting yourself too hard sis come or or bro come out you know what I mean let us see you let us see what's in there right because I agree with Danica there's like there is substance in there but that shell has been protecting you for so long you just can't you want to peek out, but it, it maybe doesn't feel safe, right? Yeah. And I, I I love turtles. This is weird, but I, I used to, I love them. They'd be out in the street and I'm like, little, don't you run over that turtle. You better come over here. So I'll get him to safety. But when, as soon as you pick up that turtle, his whole body just goes in, mm-hmm. right? 
but as he's walking across the street, he's he's fine. He's minding his own business. He's doing his own thing. So it's like for me, I think about what that's what comes to my brain when I think about it. Mm-hmm. Like what is what is it that that shell protects? Yeah. And what is it? What kind of environment makes a turtle want to come out of its shell? Yeah. And who is that environment? Yeah. I think I agree with you too. It makes me think about like we meet someone, we have assumptions about them and it's up to us to shift those assumptions to say they're accurate or say they're not. But if you don't allow yourself to step into that space, all people are left with are the assumptions about you. They don't get to know the real you. So mm-hmm. that's where my mind goes. So we have a special guest today. So I'm gonna go ahead and introduce her. She's very special to me. Um, Candy Mostly. <laughs> is a registered associate marriage and family therapist who identifies as a black American woman. She received her MS in counseling from San Diego State University with an emphasis on marriage and family therapy. Additionally, Candia received training at a local nonprofit agency that serves Middle Eastern immigrants and refugees who have experienced trauma and domestic violence. She works in private practice in San Diego, California and teaches in the counseling and social change minor at San Diego State University. In her work, she is open to discussing complex topics such as race, suicide, homicide, sexual assault, or abuse from a post-structural lens, mainly using a solution-focused, collaborative, and narrative framework. We are very honored to have you. Thank you. Thank you. So I really wanted to discuss this topic today because um, I feel like we don't talk about it enough in the Black community. And to kick us off, I just want to share a little bit about an article Late night, sometimes I just start researching like random stuff. And this was something that I came across. I saved it. It's from the New York Times. And it says, for more than a decade, suicide rates have been increasing in Black children and adolescents. And a new study says that sharpest rise occurs among youngest young girls. Mm-hmm. The study had been published on a Thursday in the Journal of the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. And it found that just over 1,800 Black children had died by suicide between 2003 and 2017. And while most of the deaths were among boys, especially those between ages 15 and 17, the gender gap is is narrowing. The suicide rate of the girls increased an average of 6.6% each year, more than twice the increase for boys. Nearly 40% of the girls were 12 to 14 years old, indicating that this age group may need additional attention or different types of intervention. Now, this is just for the children. They have some numbers here. When I was doing Black women in particular, they didn't really have specific numbers and the research was not as backed. So I didn't want to share those articles because I don't know how true they are, but they also talked about how the growing rate is increasing for Black women. And we're just starting to have these conversations when that model um, had died by suicide um, most recently. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. So Candia was doing a workshop and I got this email um, that she was doing it. And I was like, I know we've had these conversations like in the privacy of your home on your couch. But when I saw she was having these conversations with everybody, I was like, okay, well then you need to come on over to Black Women Healing Potty to have these conversations with me and Donika. So that's where we are today so Danica I'll let you take over yeah so this first question is just us you know getting to know you a little bit more so can you tell us how you decided to share about your journey yeah um so obviously I have these conversations on my couch in private and closed doors right like hence a lot of folks are having these conversations behind closed doors or not having them at all Mm -hmm. um and so my journey starts off with 
just 2022 being like a very like pivotal year for me, like super, like I, I, and let me just rewind, like suicide has been a part of my life since I was a little girl, mm-hmm. since I was maybe like seven or eight. Um, my grandmother uh, completed suicide when I was eight years old. So like suicide has always been a part of my life. I've always known about it. Um, and I will say like when I was eight, I thought about suicide very differently through an anger lens. Like, how dare you do this to me? I can't believe this is happening. And then y'all know what happened? Life start to life for me. Hmm. At eight? Yeah, big time. Because the way my mom handled the death of her mother um, has a trickle down effect, right? Hmm. So there was a lot of anger that I had for my grandmother about like, how could you do this to us? How could you leave us? How could the ripple effects of suicide was very present in my world. And so, um, but then as I started to grow up and I started to like, see how the world was, see what life was like, see how hard life was. And I, I grew up in a, and I'll, I'll, I'll spare everybody all the sad details, but I didn't have an easy life. And so there was always this like looming, like suicide walking right alongside me at every given turn because life was so hard. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just want to clarify because I feel like I missed something or maybe I didn't. Your grandmother passed away by suicide? Yes. When I was eight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. So it's like, this is not something that's like a, but my family being from a black, very black family, like they insulated that information. Like, of course, we're not going to talk about it. We didn't have no conversations about it. Like my mother would try to make sense of it in any other kind of way besides what it was, which so, which also created a little bit of like, okay, we don't talk about this. We don't talk about it, but it's still with me, right? Like it impacted me in a lot of ways. And so as I grew up and my life was just lifing in general, like things were happening as adolescent girl like lots of trauma lots of things and so it was like it was right there always an option always with me not a thought but like a reality mm-hmm. and so as I was doing that and life was lifing it made me change the relationship I had to the anger I had with my grandmother and shifted it into a more like yo life was really hard for her Mm-hmm. And she made a decision to to do this mm-hmm. very big thing that caused all this this stuff in my life, and it changed from a more like anger, mad to more empathetic understanding. As I was also struggling with some of this life lifing happening, right? And so, um, when I think about what what it made me do to share is twenty twenty two. Um, I don't remember, I don't know if y'all remember Miss America had uh, completed suicide in 2022, yep. uh, uh, Chesley Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's from North, she was from North, she was uh, Miss North Carolina. I was, I'm, I lived in North Carolina for 11 years. Lots of like parallels in our, in our, the way our shell, it's interesting that you use that, the way that our masks are. Like for people who know me, they know me as I'm funny. I like to have a good time. I'm all this, but yet suicide is still always like, there's something about life that I have a disconnect to. Like, it's not, it's hard, you know, it's, um, 
And so in 2022 highest, like I'm, I'm killing it in the game, right? I'm, I'm writing, I'm, I graduated with my master's. I am working in private practice. I'm living the best life. I, I'm married. I have kids. I have a grandkid. Like life is really good. And yet I just couldn't like that little piece of me just was not, it's just was so big. <clears throat> and then I started having conversations because here's the thing. I'm a therapist. Mm -hmm. And all of us are kind of there. We're all therapists here. Right. And so we know what our legal and ethical obligations are when it comes to this topic. Right. When somebody says like they have a plan or they have, you know, what happens, you, you, you got to do something, you know, you got to, you got to respond. You have to, you know, make sure you take care of them. And I'm, and that's not right or wrong, but for me, what that looks like is being put in handcuffs and I've already been traumatized enough in my life, child. I'm not trying to do all that. So even though I was in therapy, there was just certain, I couldn't share this very big part of myself. And it's not like a, it's just a, just a big part of my existence and who I am and how I think about life in general. I can't share that with my therapist because if I do, well, we, we know, we know what the dealio is for that. Mm -hmm. So I don't, so I didn't. Mm -hmm. um which was very isolating what age right? is this at? Hmm? age is this at that you're talking about the therapist oh like 44 oh like so this is because with your personality I'm thinking about like because when you said it I knew you were talking about this age right Mm -hmm. you said you couldn't share with a the therapist my mind automatically went to you were under 18 and it wasn't safe but then my mind went back to knowing who you are as a person you want to be strong all the time and you don't want anybody to know correct is that why you couldn't tell the therapist because you kind of glanced over it and my mind was kind of confused so i need for other people to hear why that was a struggle so that they can understand like when they're having that struggle too it's not just them no nah. and and i think um so what happened is me and a colleague me and my cohort mate tisha we started talking after work or after hours, like she would call me on her way home from work, or she'd come over and we'd sit on the couch and we'd just have these conversations. And we're like, we, we work from a narrative framework. So we named it the nine to five, right? Like that's how we make sense of this life, right? It's hard. This job be really killing us sometimes. Sometimes we want to quit this. Okay. Like we don't want to be in it. It's over for us. Right. And so we have, we started having these very funny conversations around suicide, but we weren't calling it that. Mm. We were calling it something else. Mm -hmm. And it came to like, why don't we tell people this? How come I didn't want to tell my therapist? Because mm -hmm. I didn't want her to know. Yeah. Period. So people ask this question constantly, I think, um, after somebody completes suicide, they say, Well, I didn't know. Oh my gosh, like how could how could you know? They didn't want you to know. Yeah. If I and look, Myra knows. If I want you to know something, I'll tell you. <laughs> straight up I'm, a, I'm <laughs> an open book about pretty much everything except for that yeah that is the one thing that and and it comes with a lot of issues like a lot of reasons behind it is is mainly because like who wants somebody to worry mm -hmm. right I love my I love my family I don't I don't want them to worry and as a therapist look I don't want to worry my therapist neither what? right because I know she cares about me so therefore I'm not having the conversation that I desperately need to be having and it spiraled bad and fast and furiously. And so between Tisha and I, we were like, you know what? We need to talk to some therapist about this 
We really do. We did not like as, uh, but as us, because we in the group, gang, gang, right? Like this is us, <laughs> we, who, 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 we are the therapists that yeah. are also going through this. So why can't we unmask just for a second, mask off, right? Like we're gonna take this mask off for a second and let you see what the real is. Yes. The wow. real is, it looks like this. It looks like me laughing and dancing and smiling and having a good time and literally not wanting to live mm -hmm. at the same time. Same time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, no, I think that as you're talking about this, like you said, like you're a therapist and as a therapist, you're worried about your therapist in your space of where you're supposed to have this space to be able to discuss these things. Right. Um, and so that's, with your therapist like have have any like your family and friends like those close people people outside of Tisha that's her name outside yeah, of, outside of her right um like have you mentioned this to anybody else and do they know about your story you know I have a story but I can't it's too close of a group but so I'm gonna leave names out so that they can't but I had a rough I had a rough time y'all and, you know, for those people who don't have these feelings, it scares them. It terrifies them, mm -hmm. right? I definitely wasn't going to share this with my mom at first because I already know, like, I'm her child, right? So I started talking to my, like, partner, my husband, scared the bejesus out of my partner, was completely like, what in the world? We got to do something. I can't. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm fine. I just, I don't need you to worry. I just need to talk about it. But I couldn't even talk about it because people were like, we got to jump in and do something real fast. Fix it. Let's fix it. And I'm like, you're not, yo, you're not going to fix it. <laughs> you're just not going to fix it. Like it's, it's, it's not going to, it's broken. It's, it's not, it's beyond repair at this point. Like it's, it's something that I have struggled with my, my entire existence you're not going to come in here and fix it with any kind of intervention, right? Like it's, it just was a thing, but then it was, it was in the understanding of with my daughter, right? I had this conversation just recently, not too long ago. And we, we were talking about it and she was like, you know, I get it, mom. I said, okay, what's up? How, what do you get? She's like, you know, people on their deathbed after they've been in hospice for a long time, right? A very long time. And you know that they're just holding on for you. What do you tell those people? You tell them it's okay to let go. Mm -hmm. You comfort them. You tell them it's okay to let go. But when it comes to this, people are trying to hold you into this. They're trying to keep you here. The they're trying, right? Mint, like they're trying to keep you here. They're trying to, you know, do everything they can, put you in hospitals. They're trying to do all these things that keep you here. And she's like, I just don't know. You know, it sounds sad. And I was like, yeah, and it's very isolating because those people who complete suicide are usually alone. They do it by themselves. They don't have a loved one saying it's okay for you to let go. Ooh. Right? So in that conversation was a lot of healing for me. Like this is idea of being seen, being heard. And this is just a recent conversation. Like I'm, I'm on this healing journey always. Um, just trying to figure out if that one day it's going to happen. Um, and my conversations with Tisha are very, like, we're very frustrated with the system. So it gives us something to fight about and be angry about together because these conversations should be able to be couched with your therapist yeah. without your therapist going, let me call PERT 911. 
Because at the end of the day, this is my life, Mm -hmm. my life to live or not live if I don't want to. It's my life, right? Mm -hmm. And people say like, and and this was came out in the 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 video that we did. It was just like a, this is a a, what what is the the saying? It's like a it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Hate when people say that. And I effing hate this with a passion. Wait, what's the saying? Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Think about those words mm. and how invalidating or like mm-hmm. belittling of somebody's life experience to say, it's a temporary. oh, yeah, you got a temporary problem. And I'm like, Bruh. what about the people that's been battling this their whole life? How temporary is it when it's been 15, 20, 30 years? That's temporary? Temporary. That's temporary. And right, as Black women, like, we definitely ain't talking about this because that definitely strips down the the strong exactly. Black woman, you know, uh, mantra. And I, there's nothing wrong with that. But right. but here's the thing I think about this, and I don't know, I'm, I'm going to ask you all about this, is we talk about that, right? But we take care of ourselves the least. So is not taking care of yourself the least to the point to where you get a blah, 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 and you die. Is that also a part of that trope that we're not talking about? Are you saying that you're not taking care of yourself to the point that your pet, like they're dying? I'm confused a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like we don't take care of ourselves and then about this. we get diabetes, we get, you know, all these other things, right? Because we're not caring for ourselves. Right. So if you're not caring for yourself, what is that called? Mm-hmm right? But we're strong, mind you, strong, doing everything for everybody else, taking care of everybody else for everybody else, but ourselves. So we're not taking care of ourselves. So I don't know, like, these are just like thoughts that I'd be processing, you know, with different folks here and there. I was just curious, what do you think about it? I think that it needs to be talked about more because now I think I'm kind of frustrated with this this idea of self-care because everybody's talking about taking freaking bubble baths and getting your nails painted and getting a facial. And I'm quite honestly sick and tired of it. Like it makes me just not even want to have conversations about self-love and self-care because I'm like, y'all don't even know what this shit even means. Like true self-care is making sure that you're putting yourself first and managing what you got going on checking in with yourself if you're feeling suicidal or lonely like feeling like you can talk to a therapist that is what true self-care is taking yourself to the doctor when something is going on not saying like oh I'm not gonna go right now because I gotta tend to such and such and such and such like having my one of my clients oh my gosh she was having a pain in her breast for a year and she was like, I just have so much stuff going on. I, I'm not, I don't have time to go to the doctor. It's going to take too long. Then what if I find out something's wrong with me? Then that's going to take even longer. Then I'm like, what? Right. Finally went. Nothing was wrong with her. And now she doesn't have the pain. I'm like, lady, you could have went and talked to the doctor. That was stress. But instead of you talking to the doctor about it, you sat in pain. I told her, look, you talk about going on these walks and taking these bubble baths and burning incense. That's not self-care, lady. You need to take care of you, like what it really means to take care of you. I feel like that's how me and Candy built our relationship of me being like, I need to talk to somebody. So I'm going to call her and I'm going to see what she says. And then that wound up me going to her house for five hours at a time, being fed, (laughs) loved on, and 
feeling connected to someone and just being able to cry in her arms. That's self-care. She didn't give me no bubble bath. She hugged me. (laughs) And see, and that's the part of the therapy that I wish I could be doing with clients, right? Like when you come in and you share something like this life is, this nine to five is too hard. Like I've tried everything. I've tried going to HR. I've tried, you know, changing my schedule. I've tried all these things. And it's just like, whoa, it's just too much. I need to check out of this. And to have somebody just say, you're right. Your nine to five is fucking shitty. Mm-hmm. It's shitty. And you know what? Nine times out of 10, most people have to work this nine to five for many different reasons. And so you're going to have, you, you know, you're enduring this. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. Right. Versus oh, you know, why don't we try this? Why don't we try that? Why don't you try this? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I just, it's so, it's so unhelpful. It's so unhelpful. And I'm like, I think we just lost it in the craft of just holding people, holding them, being with them. And I think there's something beautiful with saying like, you know, it's okay to let go if Mm. that's what you need to do. Mm. Um, Obviously we can't do that, right? We can't. And I understand that very clearly. But also there's something about being like, yeah, no, I get it that you want to let go. Yeah. Right. Like it sucks. Yeah. You know, it, it may not get better, you know, and that's validating because what most people want to tell you is that, no, 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 this is just temporary. It's going to get better. You wait and see. And then people be waiting and seeing miserably and unhappily and sadly alone because now they can't even talk to you about it because they already know what you're going to say I think we need to give that language to the other person like the language around folks experience and I always tell my clients like you tell me the language like I'm not going to say anything that you didn't say and I'm going to write it down and then whenever I repeat something to them or say something to them make a statement I'm always like and so what you said was and Mm -hmm. I use their language so if we're saying um a permanent solution to a temporary problem, I really want to be challenging us to let the other person say that. If they decide to say that, that's their language and you follow it. Across the board though, let folks have their own language to their experience. Note that language and use their language because that's how you really join people. Mm -hmm. But joining people is scary, right? Especially if it goes against what you believe to be true that life is everything you know you have to keep doing it so if you if you're under those ideas then the way that you do things are going to be different right but it's not about you and what you think it's about them and what they think it's about me and what I think it's not about what you think about my life I mean yeah I mean that's what that's what it ultimately comes down to like that is a personal independent choice that people make you know and I think even here and talking about this you immediately you do your natural instinct is to be like no no life it has ups and downs and ebbs and flows and you will get out of it like you admit you do want to do that you know and I think it is kind of like the physical health piece of like sometimes people will say like just let go but a lot of times they won't and you you would let your loved one like sit here in pain because you don't want to feel what happens once this person is gone right because that is what is happening for you but this is their personal choice right um 
and it's interesting to even think about like like a world design where that's a choice for someone like it's cringy it is it is um, yeah, it is a choice it well, is not but right now it's not a talked about choice like it's not like a it's not a norm choice to be like oh yeah if that person yeah if they want to you know die by suicide go ahead like that's if that's your choice go ahead that's not what is talked about right now so even saying like the fact that that could be a possibility right it's and um uh, like what we're talking about it where it's like oh yeah that's their choice type of thing it's cringy it is mm-hmm. yeah and and cringiness creates discomfort which yeah. creates silence which creates nobody they just gonna do it <laughs> and yeah you know what I mean like they just go into a room <laughs> and you know like yeah. we've seen in, in the media over and over again and the question everybody asks is oh my gosh like what was going on why yeah. don't we know yeah yeah where how are we gonna how why would we why would someone who feels like this or like me want to share with you right because you won't get it you won't understand you know you're just not gonna get it and here's the thing like I'm all about I'm all about that part too like the cringiness like acknowledging like this is cringy this is scary and it, it's a little but I'm here I want to hear what you have to say I never want to leave that. Mm. Like, what is it about that? Like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the cringiness. What do you think's over there? What do you think's next? Yeah. Yeah. What is that piece that you think you're going to have? Like, like, but no, we can't even get to that conversation because it stops the minute. <laughs> like, boom. I know I've, I've, I've been in this position. I'm the HR I am the HR of the nine to five in my therapy job, right? Like we know that there are things that we have to do. So therefore, you know, as soon as somebody says something, you know, you gotta, you gotta do your HR job. And sometimes I find myself in this HR job, like being like, yeah, this ain't it. Yeah. This ain't it. This, because I don't know, in a lot of ways, like my family has become very supported, supporting me in this journey of whatever the life I want to have or don't have. And it's been easy. And as you can see, I'm still here, lifing and life away. Um, but there's something, there's freedom in being able to have a conversation out loud instead of by myself in my own thoughts with my own thoughts all alone for fear that I'll worry someone or make somebody unhappy. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the key. Right? Who wants to make people unhappy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious as you reflect, were there any specific supports that you like wish that you had or that you wanted from people around you like throughout your life? Yeah. Yes. I just wanted somebody to see me. Mm-hmm. You know, and now that I think about the turtle, it was probably pretty hard for them to see. Right. But you know why they didn't see? Because they didn't ask. They made assumptions about my smiley and shiny exterior and just left it at that. So I think a lot of times I wish I had had a place where I could talk, where they would see me and see that like, oh, no, she's. She's shiny, she's shiny and she's sad. She's shiny and she has really had a hard life. Um, 
and like I really would love to have somebody acknowledge like that nine to five is sucky like that that was super important to me like no matter they're like but candy you you have kids but candy you you have a career but candy you have a loving partner candy you have a loving husband candy you have all these things and I'm like yes and what does that have to do with the price of the the fact that I don't feel good Mm -hmm. you're telling me all these things that I already know that I have and yet still don't feel good I still don't feel good Mm -hmm. how many people have gotten into successful places and they're just like at the top of their life and they're just like it's lonely up here and Mm -hmm. isolating and it doesn't feel good and people but you make millions of dollars millions of dollars don't make people happy they don't make people want to live any longer than people with zero dollars like that's the thing about it's not that it's not that and I wish I had had you know friends that I could back then because you know that would just understand that like that's life for me and at the end of it would be like oh okay that's life for her and because here's the thing, those folks, the folks that are in my circle, if if that would be a choice of mine, they wouldn't be like, I didn't know. They wouldn't say that because they would have known. They mm-hmm. would have had this conversation. They would have known I was struggling. They would have known I was sad. They would have known. But the only people who engage with my shiny, that's all they know. And there will be the ones going, oh, my gosh, what happened? I didn't know. Now, that's I don't know. Cr- I don't know. That, to me, that's cringy. Yeah, that's very cringy. Yeah. And it's a it's a crazy, it's a crazy I, I get the cringe and the but I feel like nobody wants to be cringed anymore. They don't want to get uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, especially as a black <laughs> woman. Uh, hmm? That's where the growth happens too. Uncomfortability right. is the growth. That's where it typically it happens. Yeah. You know, especially as a black woman, my mom is like, girl, if you don't go take go to sleep and take a nap and wake up different tomorrow. Oh, um, to take a nap. Go lay down. <laughs> oh my goodness. Go lay down. You better drink some herbal tea. Go drink some water. What? <laughs> oh. Literally, I'm just like, not a, look, look at my fire. That doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> you know, and they mean well. Like, I'm not even trying to like say they're not. They absolutely mean well. But, like, <sighs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you just got rid of the da 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 da, I'm like, okay, I got rid of that. Now what? What's next? Mm-mm. You know, it's it's a very um, it's just a nuanced conversation. It's complex. It's sensitive. Um, it's hard. You know, I think that we just need to keep having them and like piecing through them. So, I guess it's for Tisha and I. It was really important to make it visible to the in our in crowd, right? Like especially therapists I'm like yo like your your reactions your reactions is forcing people to not tell you things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you you not your reaction is yours for you because you're uncomfortable mm-hmm. and you're scared mm-hmm. you're scared mm-hmm. but as scared as you are imagine what your client is feeling mm-hmm. When they go home after not telling you anything alone. I don't know. It's just, it's like such a, a crazy convo to have. 
I'm appreciating this convo because it's just making me reflect on like some of my clients who I've done some of the things that you've said and I've questioned myself. Like I noticed, um, cause I, at one point I was working with a lot of military vets, mm-hmm. higher suicide rates. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like this level where they felt so comfortable that I felt uncomfortable and I would be worried about my responses. And so I would do a lot of what you're saying of leaning into it with them. But in the back of my head, I'd be like, Myra, should you be like calling 911? Should you be telling them you're going to do this, this and that? And I would just sit with it. And I would have this internal battle of me saying that is going to do what right now? Mm. It's going to be harmful. But at the same time, I'm thinking about, am I going to lose my license? Like, what's going to happen? Am I going to get in trouble for this? Like, and I would keep doing what I was doing of sitting in it. And it would continue to feel uncomfortable, but they would continue to share. And it would be this odd experience of, I've never done this before, so I'm going to tell you even more. And I'd be just really battling with, so now I really should be calling somebody, but I wouldn't do it. And more and more they share, I really should be calling somebody. Mm. And it got to the point, one of my clients were done now, but he was like, I never did that before. And that was all I was searching for. Thank you. I feel like I can go on about my day and I can continue to have these conversations. And now I'm going to use my platform to push other people to have these conversations. So I'm thankful for you just saying that because I literally have been having like this ongoing battle in my head of, should I be calling somebody right now? Should I send somebody out for a welfare check? Like, what should I be doing and never doing it? Cause following my gut, but my mind saying something so different where it's just hard to sit in that. Mm-hmm. So well, as you as you see, you're managing not only your client stuff, but you're managing your own stuff. Like your whole livelihood depends on this. And yeah. I think that's where Tisha and I are very angry with the systems that we're in. Yeah. And the systems that we're in that allows for it to be our fault and our responsibility for someone else's life right like don't get me wrong like I understand what a sensitive place that we're in like it is it is sensitive it is it is really important but like it almost puts handcuffs on how we can help right like and and here's the thing at the end of the day you're battling I hear you you're like "Mm, my good job um am I gonna lose my license if I just continue to listen what if what if something bad comes out of this? They're going to investigate me. They're going to like, they're going to, it's going to be my fault. But I'm like, how can it be your fault? This is me. I'm saying this to you. How could it be your fault when it was my decision? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and that is like, you know, for, for Myra, like for you, I'm glad you got to experience the that side of it. Meaning for that client, it was helpful. Right. And, but yeah, like Candy is saying, if it would have been the the lather and the that client would have you know killed themselves then all these other pieces then come out where then it becomes like oh well you didn't follow this law and ethics and and now like you could lose your license you got to go to court and all of this stuff because this person made a personal independent decision and you gave them the space to talk about it right like at this point like because with my clients and and I think that therapists should do that more too. I give them a few different cases. Like you can come in session and if you say your life is horrible and you you feel like you want to die, like I give them actual scenarios. But if I, I, if they tell me I'm going to kill myself, then I have to because that's I'm a therapist. I have to. Like I I literally have to, right? Um, but like I feel like giving them examples at least help 
but I can't as a therapist like tell them of or after they then say I'm going to kill myself continue the conversation as if they didn't and Mm -hmm. like that's just what I have to follow right now but what I'm thinking about though is like as a friend or a close loved one, then you then get to step in it differently. And at least in those spaces right now, that could at least be happening, right? If we're not able to completely, I, I mean, and I do know, recognize that people come to therapy for that. That's the hope, but we can't change the system completely today. Mm-hmm. But I'm even talking right now with people who are listening, maybe that will encourage them if they are listening to a friend or family to open up that space a little bit more because they have you know, they have more of the leeway. We don't, (laughs) you know, unfortunately we don't. Um, But I'm glad that you got that experience though, that you did get to see it that way, you know? But that's just something I'm thinking about of my own personal way that I've chosen to do it. And um, luckily from what I know as well, I haven't had a situation where that's happened and I've been investigated or something, you know? Actually, I have had a a past client that I know about that's passed away from suicide. And um, because they were my client at the time, I I wasn't investigated or whatever. Because then you got families too, because that's what I'm thinking about. Like, okay, they made the person's decision and they, we don't know exactly, but that client could be perfectly glad that they got to talk to you about it. Their last moments, they got to finally share it, right? But then their families are like, who was talking to them? There was that therapist or they start, they want answers, right? And so that's when the people around them actually, they're caring about getting justice or whatever, when it's really like, that's what they wanted. That's their justice. But I'm rambling, but these are just some thoughts I'm having. No, I mean, but here's, these are thoughts that we all like at some point have. And I'm like, and the, the nuance of it is I'm a black therapist and I know that. Right. And so there's like so many implications to what it means to 5150 a a black client. Like, what does that mean? Like when you have law enforcement show up or you have like it's just like there's so many other layers to to the whole situation that feels like ick. It's now that gives me cringe. Like yeah. the fact that we're having to negotiate and navigate with people's families around somebody's personal show gives me cringe. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the cringy part of this work is like, it's super cringy and you can't, there's like, so now we just like, so what happens is now we just have clients that aren't sharing. They're just not going to share because they know the game. The it's- game is the game. They know how to play it. Like, Uno, like draw four. They're like, okay, I'm going to say this because I know we, we, I hear that. And when I hear the sirens in the background, I'm going to get ghosts. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm going to go, like I'm out. And so like our clients, they know that. And so I don't know if what we're doing is helpful or not, but it's like the, I guess this is examining like what is, you know, with them and being with them and what isn't, you know? And, and that's, it's just a hard thing. Yeah. Suicidality is, you know, but it is taking people. It is, people are, are choosing this. And I wonder like, if we're, we're really wanting to be helpers, like, what does that mean for us? Like, I don't know. Like for me as somebody who is on, like, I'm literally, I'm like on two sides of the coin, mm-hmm. you know, um, it just keeps me in this like reflective state. Yeah. I'm curious your thoughts on how you separate suicidal ideation from harmful intrusive thoughts. 
yeah, to me, they're like very different. One is like a passing thought that Mm -hmm. comes and goes. One is not. One is just with you all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, like, you know, like Midas from, is that, what's that from? Y'all watch Snoopy? Snoopy? Yes. Where he had a little little cloud over him all Uh the time. No matter what, that dude be smiling and having a good time, but the cloud still be there. That's to me what that is. Yeah. It's the difference between that. One is like a train kind of coming to a station. You can kind of follow it and then it can go wherever it's going to go. But this one is just like, I'm sorry, I'm a visual person. Like this is how I... So the train is the intrusive thoughts and then yeah. the ideation but is... Kind just of like right there. It's like wow. right there. It's right there. Yeah. That is a great explanation. And that was actually a question of mine because I think that a lot of times, not only clients, but just people, like we all have just random thoughts sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And they can be fleeting, but if they happen, you might be like, wait, am I, am I, am I experiencing suicidal ideation? Is this what's happening for me? Um, or is this just a passing thought? Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's what made me ask this question, but I love your explanation about like the suicidal ideation. A lot of times it's there. It's you feel it at a lot of times. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily fleeting as much. Yeah. Cause Sometimes these intrusive thoughts, they come, they come, but I think that you have some sort of control or power over it, right? Sometimes you can like follow the thought. Like I, I, I'm like, are you the conductor of your thoughts? Who's the conductor of your thoughts, right? Your thoughts, if now, if you jump in the conductor seat, you get to follow the thought wherever you want to go, right? Or you could jump off at any station. What station is it that you want to live? This is me in my, my world. Like I, I, I have to like touch things and see it mm-hmm. with the suicide. It's more like a, like a, I think of it like a part, like it's always with you. It's always there. It's always like, you know what? Life is not great. But here's the thing, it's not lying to you. Sometimes intrusive thoughts cannot be true, mm-hmm. right? Life isn't always that great. And that's can be true most of the time. So it's like, I don't know. That's how I make sense of them. One is just kind of with you all the time. And one kind of, you can go, but you can control it. Yeah. Sometimes if you're aware of it yeah no it makes sense okay so to today's episode we have covered a lot and I think that this topic um like it's it needs to be a continuous conversation right so hopefully this episode at least gets people starting to sit in uncomfortability sit in the the cringy feelings um and all the things but do you have any takeaways for our listeners um I think the takeaways that I really have are like the the myth has been debunked okay like talking about suicide is not going to make somebody want to commit suicide. So have the conversation, be uncomfortable, be with people, be with your friends and your family and don't let them worry about it. Don't, you don't, you let them know that you're not worried. You just want to be with them. Or like, you know, there's that quote that's like, check on your strong friends. I'm like, nah, check on your funny friends. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Check, okay. check, on, check on your I'm good friends, right? Because yeah. listen, we know what I'm good means. I'm good doesn't always mean I'm great, right? Like, it doesn't mean the same. So check on your, I'm good. Yeah, I'm great, friends. But more than likely, just check on your friends, period. Like, check on them. Get past the shell. See mm-hmm. what's inside. What's in the substance that's inside? You can get you can get shimmied into, or, uh, you can get seduced by the little shiny shell. But like, are you examining? Have you even asked them about their bad times or their bad days? Mm-hmm. Are you curious with them? So I think my, my, that, that's my takeaway is like, this is a myth. 
if you think that having this conversation is going to create suicide in someone's life, it's not. So, I mean, it's been statistically proven that it's an uncomfortable conversation, yes. And you need to be having them with your friends. Mm -hmm. Even the ones that appear to be the most happy in the world. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, y'all. <clears throat> no, and I feel like, like I said a million times, these conversations are important. And so as someone, you know, everyone kind of leans on you because you you can play a lot of different roles. You could be cousin, sister, auntie, mama, all the things, right? Mm -hmm. It's important for also us to give you the space to share your story so that way other Black women who do the same things can recognize it's important to have these conversations and to just hear your voice and feel that they're joined by someone even if they don't have that person in their life it's important yeah thank you for that yes thank you so much so we hope you all were engaged in this episode um and, and sitting in this cringiness uncomfortable conversation with us um I mean really my reflections is just as Candia, as Candia was talking about, like just having the conversations more with people, but also um, as a therapist, I would say for therapists to give more examples as much as possible. So even if we can't like, um, like if a client tells us I'm going to kill myself, we cannot continue with conversations legally. Um, giving examples of them even being able to just share the thoughts that they're having, right? Um, cause I think a lot of times the clients will come in and they'll think anything that has to do with suicidal ideation, anything that has to do with suicide at all, I can't speak about, but that's not necessarily true either. So for clients, y'all can ask more questions because ther therapists are different. Some therapists are different. Some therapists, uh, like Candy was talking about, get super uncomfortable as soon as you say anything about like life is hard and I wish I wasn't here. But then there are some therapists who will allow you to go dive into that a lot deeper and then not be like this 5150 situation. So I would say as clients, ask questions, you know, what's your policy, you know, around suicidal ideation, um, attempts, all this stuff, ask questions. Um, yeah. And yeah, continue to grow, continue to grow by having these conversations. That was, that would be my reflections. What about you, Myra? I agree completely. And I'm sorry if y'all misunderstood me. I, I do, you know, have to call folks when clients do come to me. What I was trying to say was I always create space to remain curious, to ask further questions and create space. Because, um, of course, I ain't trying to lose my license and I care. Um, so, yeah, I think that's pretty much the only thing I have to share. Um, yeah, I like how she says to check on your funny friends, though, because I feel like that often goes over our heads to to do that. It does, interestingly enough, yeah. But we hope you enjoyed another episode with us and we will see you all next Monday. Bye.